It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Oklahoma City Thunder have seen Josh Giddy make a tremendous leap in his first FIBA World Cup game. SGA remains unguardable, plus your mailbag questions all coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by our good friends, over at FanDuel America's number one sports book, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. We're going to dive into the FIBA World Cup. Josh Giddy makes tremendous strides in his first exhibition game. SGA continues to look unguardable. Plus, we have your mailbag questions, including who the top five coaches are in the NBA, how good can the Thunder be on the defensive end of the floor, and does this core really have a chance to win a championship? Is that really in the cards for this Thunder group? So thank you so much for watching today's show on YouTube and also any other podcasting platforms that you get this show on. I appreciate you. Subscribe, leave a review, a comment, everything that you do to help grow the show. It's been great to see you all sticking around in this off season because the NBA is a year round sport and we'll be back in no time uh, with training camp and preseason and games and all that fun stuff. Let's talk about the FIBA world cup. Josh Giddy was great. And, and yes, you're going to have to have the caveats of Venezuela looked very overmatched in this game. It was only an exhibition game. Josh Giddy only plays, you know, 24 minutes, but the improvement was real and it was tangible and it shows great growth from Josh getting in these last few months. And, and, and it's something that he can translate to the NBA hardwood and something that he's already begun to implement in the NBA, but even has now polished those skills off in this, you know, FIBA world cup exhibition, 24 minutes, 14 points, eight rebounds, nine assists, almost a triple double for Josh Getty. He had a block. He shot 71% from the floor, 0 for 2 from deep, five free throw attempts, four for five at the charity stripe. The most encouraging thing was that Josh Giddy looked great at attacking the rim hard downhill. Now, he progressively got better and better at that as the season went on last year, and eventually it was commonplace for him to take advantage of smaller opponents at the rim. 
and mismatches and use his size and his frame to his advantage. He did that some in this game. He also had some spinning through the lane finesse layup. He also finished through traffic in the middle of the paint above two defenders for an and one. And he used his dribble moves and, and some improved burst off the dribble to cross over the top of the key, get a blow by and an uncontested finish at the ring. And so when this game, you saw how deadly this can be for Josh Giddy, who is already one of the best playmakers in the NBA, one of the best playmakers or the best playmaker for the Thunder, as he's attacking downhill and as he's more confident to score through contact and to finish at the rim and to get there with a decisive attack, the defenses had to adjust. They had to gear up for him. They had to rotate over to him. And so as defenses are rotating over to stop Josh Giddy's penetration, well, you're obviously leaving somebody open if you're if you're overselling to limit him at the rim. And he can flex those playmaking muscles at a high clip and find the open man. And not only find that open man, but get the ball to him. So he did some great stuff as a playmaker, and we know what he can do, but it was mainly a two-man game with him and the big man, which leads you to get very excited about what this can look like with Chad Holmgren. He also had a fiery moment, which you just love to see that edge that he plays with where you saw in that Pelicans game whenever he was on, and, and that was arguably the best game of his season in the play-in game uh, you know, in New Orleans. They got into it, a little scuffle, a little brouhaha, a little Donnie Brook. They got into it. Got into it again in this game where he was playing very well. So that edge is something that he's continued to show throughout his career, both in the NBL and in the NBA, and he's getting more comfortable displaying that routinely. At least a little dust-up every single game. But the comfortability and confidence and decisiveness from Josh Giddy is what you should take away from this exhibition game. In his NBA career to this point, he has only had nine games in which he had more than four free throw attempts in a game. Last year was a career high, averaging just two attempts a game. And Mark has talked about how important it is for Josh Giddy to learn how to get to the line. Using that frame, it's not as though he's not taking contact. It's not as though he's not getting fouled. It's getting the officials to blow the whistle. And I've, as I've talked about in the show, and it's commonplace to talk about in the NBA, the free throws are what can take you to that next step as a score, what can improve your points per game, what can improve what you do. You look at Shea, every year his free throw rating, you know, his free throw rate has gone up, and every year his points per game has gone up, and even last year. He goes from scoring 25 points a night on seven free throw attempts to 31 points per night on 11 free throw attempts per game. And so getting those calls for Josh Giddy will be huge. And one of the biggest things to note every time you talk about Josh Giddy is that he's going to enter year three in the NBA as a 20-year-old. A 20-year-old. The level of growth, the level of maturity that he displays, and the fact that he's been around a couple of years has, I think, messed with the minds of OKC fans where they view him as older than he is or cap him a lot of what he can be. You're not even scratching the surface of what Josh Giddy can be. This is another guy that, to this point in his career, from NBA Academy to the NBL to the NBA to his year two NBA season to a FIBA World Cup exhibition game one, he's gotten better 
year over year, month over month, he's gotten better, just like Shea has. He's another guy that, that has that knack about him to continue to improve his game. So there's no reason to put a limit on what he can be. And the Thunder are going to give him resources and opportunity and minutes and and schemes to allow him to flourish. And we're seeing what flourishing can look like for him as a playmaking guard who's not afraid to get downhill. So this was great from him in this game for Team Australia. Jack White also played really good at getting uh, rebounds and, and, and contesting on the glass. Really good motor from him. But as we saw in the G League, as we saw in the NBA, he struggles to create for himself um, and, and get opportunities to score for himself. And he plays in 16 minutes, goes two for five shooting with four points, eight rebounds, and a steal. Want to see him impact the game a little bit more. Want to see him, you know, make a better positive impact. But this is a good baseline test. At least he, you know, was able to carve out that role of getting rebounds. And we're just getting started into the FIBA World Cup, so like he'll have opportunities to settle in and to improve. And obviously, training camp will be huge for Jack White and huge for his chances uh, to make this Thunder roster or not. But the big thing in this Australia game is Josh Giddy. I think that Josh Giddy is going to be a really good player in the NBA. He's going to be a really good player for the Thunder. And, and you saw what that looks like in this matchup with Venezuela. So I'm encouraged. Can't wait for the next game uh, as, as uh, Team Australia, the Boomers play a couple more exhibitions and then go into pool play. And that'll be a lot of fun to see Josh Giddy in pool play, CSGA, Lou Dort, Jack White in pool play, uh, and really get rolling here in this FIBA World Cup tournament. Coming up, let's talk SGA and Lou Dort quickly, and then we're going to get into your mailbag questions. But first, I want to say right now, our good friends over at FanDuel.com, folks. FanDuel.com is incredible. It is where you want to be because it is the best sports book in America and the official sports book of Locked On. Uh, FanDuel knows that football season is about to kick off. And with FanDuel, they're going to give you the chance to win all season long, including one of my favorite offers of all time. It's the fact that right now, if you go and bet on a futures bet of Super Bowl winners, whoever you pick to win the Super Bowl, you don't have to wait to cash in and to get your winnings. You can get bonus bets every time that they win in a, in the regular season. And if you believe a team's going to win the Super Bowl, the odds are you also believe they're going to win a lot of regular season games. And thus, that's a ton of bonus bets to place more bets on spreads and uh, player props and over-unders and more. So you can continue your winnings at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That lets you have the winnings of the future if your team actually does win the Super Bowl and you get that payout, but also payouts incrementally as they win regular season games. And so if you're smart, you're going to go and check out that offer and see what it's all about at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Me personally, let's see the Chiefs win it again. Let's bet on Kansas City to win the Super Bowl, and let's see what happens. So Fender.com slash LockedOn, Fender.com slash LockedOn, America's number one sports book and the official betting partner of LockedOn. Check it out today. And of course, be responsible at Fender.com slash LockedOn. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and LockedOn NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, 
helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown NBA show because there's a lot of drama happening right now this summer, including with former Thunder legend James Harden, who's making a mess of things again in Philadelphia. Also check out Locked in NBA Big Board. They have some 2024 content already out there. They have some Cooper Flag content already after he reclassified. And a player very special to Oklahoma City, Black Lubale, has an interview with Rafael Barlow up right now. So an exclusive one-on-one with Black Lubale with Rafael Barlow, which I want to check out because there's some Thunder stuff in there as well. And, of course, just seeing how he's doing with uh, former Thunder executives, including Will Dawkins, who's a big part in that draft. Uh, as far as FIBA World Cup goes, the Josh Giddy thing was the biggest thing. We've talked about Josh Giddy, talked about Lou Dort, but like, uh, I'm sorry, SGA is a big thing. SGA, in his most recent game, started out particularly slow, but made the adjustments, as Team Canada did as well, making some adjustments to their style. And with RJ Barrett, who was fantastic in that game, uh, was able to pull out an OT win over Germany. But oftentimes, especially in that second exhibition game, SGA has been just flat out unstoppable. And the biggest difference from SGA as we talk about how he adds something to his game every single summer has been his comfortability taking that step back again and the more fluidity to his jump shot, especially from beyond the arc, which has been huge for OKC. And I just still am perplexed by what you do with SGA as he's charging at you downhill because we know he can finish so well at the rim. That's obvious. That's been a thing for him for a long time. We know the last year he was really good in the mid range. And so if you gear up to stop at the rim, he can just pull a step back midi out or stop on a dime and launch a mid-range jump shot. If you try to stay attached to him to get him uh, to limit the mid-range shooting, then he can get past you with his length and his, and his ability to seal you off and get a clean look at the rim and oftentimes make it and oftentimes even get a foul. It's just, there's nothing you can do with SGA. He is just unguardable. And it is fun to see that the Thunder have another one of those type of scores in OKC. And his defense continues to look good with his length and his ability to play in the defensive end. For Lou Dort, much stronger on drives to the rim. The step-back mid-range shot was hilarious the other day, but he looks better overall shooting the ball. Of course, a menace on defense, but the more decisiveness and the more aggression going to the rim, including a couple of dunks, um, is encouraging. But there's still uh, things to prove for Lou Dort offensively, especially once the NBA season starts. We're going to get into your mailbag questions right now. And this one ties back to Josh Giddy from Mike. Do you believe Josh Giddy can ever reach his ceiling if he's not a primary ball handler? So I understand this question and I get that it's a big deal for Thunder fans. Now I'll point out a few things real quick. You know, Chet Holmgren on Twitter calls Josh Giddy a point guard. Is that a big deal of like him saying publicly, Josh Giddy's our point guard as you start to, um, you know, blend that in with the idea that the Thunder are fully positionless probably doesn't mean anything, but it is important to note that people inside the Thunder walls, you know, like Josh Giddy's the point guard. SGA doing a lot more off the catch stuff with Team Canada a little bit. That's been encouraging to see. But most importantly, I understand why this is a question. I do. But when you look at Josh Giddy and you talk about his ceiling, no matter what you think his ceiling can be, in OKC or at any of the other 29 franchises, 
Josh Giddy's ceiling in the NBA includes a guy like Shea. You're going to need a guy like Shea next to him that can go get you a bucket because that's just not Josh Giddy's strength. Josh Giddy's strength is not go get you a bucket anytime you need it and is automatic and, 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 and can hit these game winners and can do these things to get you over the hump. He can set those plays up, but he's got to have somebody that he can rely on to knock them down because he just cannot create those end-of-game buckets at the level you need to in, sense, in the sense of to close games like superstars like SGA do. And it's not to say that Josh Giddey can't be a superstar. It's to say that his version of reaching his ceiling, his version of being a superstar, includes a 30-point-per-game score who needs the ball in his hands. And so no matter if that's in OKC or in the between other franchises, Josh Giddey will need a Shea. So why not have that work in OKC? Because this is the picture for Josh Giddy. It's to get teammates involved. It's to, it's to be a playmaker, and it's to have a guy who can help him late in games score the ball. And I understand the pressure and the need for Thunder fans and for you know the, the, the community around Thunder to want that instant gratification and instant development and progression, especially between this two, these two as a duo and make the decision right now if they can or cannot work. But the bottom line is each year and not just year in the sense of one season to the next, but month over month, week over week, we've seen better and better chemistry develop between these two guys. And they're still so incredibly young with their parents. Look at other pairings around the NBA. In the grand scope of things, the amount of games that Josh Giddy has played with Shea, because remember Shea was hurt on and off of Josh Giddy's rookie year, and of course you know Shea got hurt some this year with the, and he had the COVID thing, and and you know you're going to miss some time always. In the grand scheme of things, for a 20 year old who's been trying to acclimate to the NBA and acclimate to United States of America, even for him to play alongside Shea, they've they've not had a lot of time together, but even so. They've gotten better and, and, and more comfortable together with each passing day. And so I get the need to say, well, this is going to limit Josh Giddy because of Shea. But at the end of the day, can you really envision a ceiling with Giddy that does not include a player like Shea? Josh Giddy can be your lead ball handler, can be your point guard, but he's going to need someone who can score you know, close to 30 points a night and can close close games out as a score in this in the stretch of the game. So even that, which feels like a a square peg in a round hole fit, it's really not. It's really a compliment to what Josh Giddy needs. And I think that he'll get more playmaking chances and dribble and you know premier ball handling chances, even with Shay on the court this year. I think you're, you're going to continue, continue to see him create and initiate this, this offseason, you know, this offense this season. And the biggest thing for Josh Giddy will be his own internal personal development. As he gets more comfortable being aggressive, and as he gets better at getting past his defender toward the rim, that's going to help him take that point guard role. That's going to help him improve his offensive game overall. And he's already one of the league's best inbounders, one of the league's top playmakers. And so surrounding him with offensive talent is not this bad thing. It's actually going to help him quite a lot. So 
I, I don't think that Josh Giddy's ceiling will be necessarily limited in OKC just because I, I think that his ceiling includes a guy like Shea. And I think that that's kind of where some people differ on how they view Josh Giddy. To me, if you're building a team to maximize Josh's strengths and to set him up for success in terms of winning basketball games, which is what he cares about a ton, you're going to need to saddle him up with a guy like Shea. So why not have that dual work in OKC whenever they have two guys who are very talented, two guys who have settled the right things, two guys who want to work together and want to grow together and want to have this blossom into something great. So let's give it time to let that happen. Again, they have not worked together all that long in the grand scheme of things. Uh, Matt asks, where do you think OKC could land in the league in defensive rating this year? So they were really around 12th last year, 12th, 13th last year in defensive rating. I, I think that this team is a lock for top 10. Mark is a great defensive coach. I think that the, that the ceiling of this team's defense could be top five because each and every year, Mark's teams have been overachievers defensively. And when you look at this Thunder roster, talk a lot about their talent overall, but their talent defensively. Lou Dort, Chet Holmgren, SGA, those are all legitimately excellent defenders you know, in the NBA right away. J-Dub, I think, is an underrated defender of how good he was as a rookie, how his frame pr- projects to allow him to play defense, and how and how he his motor lets him play on both ends at a high level. J-Dub's going to be a really good defender. Kendrick Williams is a really, really, really good defender. Aaron Wiggins is a really good defender. Usman Jang, for, for everything that happened last year with the injuries and, and, and at times kind of just floating around offensively, the one thing you can hang your head on with Usman Jang, he's a really good defender. Kaysen Wallace, a really good defender. Like those are legitimately good NBA defenders that you have right there off the bat. Then you have guys who have some specialties, like, like Poku and Isaiah Joe, for example. Poku is incredible as a help side defender to block shots and to help you protect the rim. Isaiah Joe, you know, he's he's not going to be this elite defender, but he has this uncanny ability to just pester the heck out of guys. And if you watch Isaiah Joe defensively, yes, he's not Lou Dort great, but he is always on his matchup's hip, and he is always staying attached to his guy and disrupting something and just in the way. A lot of the times, defensively, just being in the way is really good. Then you work down to a guy like Josh Giddy. If you can tap into that aggressive edge of his with his length and his and his size, you can find a role for him defensively. He's not going to be some point of attack guy, and that's okay. Not everyone can be a point of attack guy. In fact, very few in the NBA can be a point of attack defender with how good and skilled the league is right now. But when you surround Josh Giddy and his size and length with Lou Dort, with Chet Holmgren, with SGA, and so on, you're going to find a way to, to play him defensively and to limit his exposure and to, and to highlight his strengths defensively while also minimizing the negatives. So this team can absolutely be a top five defense. I would for sure sharpie them in for a top 10 defense in this league. Of course, that is if they're fully healthy and if they are you know, fully healthy and everything else. Coming up, let's talk who the best coaches are in the NBA. Let's talk about the young cores in the NBA. Which core is the most sustainable? Not necessarily the best right now, the most sustainable for the future. We'll talk about all that coming up on today's Lockdown Thunder podcast. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. 
Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We're talking about your mailbag questions right now. We've talked Josh Giddy at FIBA. We've talked Josh Giddy and SGA's fit together. Let's talk about the top five coaches in the NBA right now from Karam. So for me personally, I think I think I have a bit of an out, outlandish list, comparatively speaking, to like what the norm would be. But hopefully you guys will see my side of things on this. Uh, I have Spostra as the number one coach in the NBA. Just, he is. He's just incredible. Uh, I still have Steve Kerr and Pop in the top three. Just whatever order you put them in, I think that they're still really good coaches. But my four and five is Mark and Will Hardy. I think that those are the four and five coaches in the NBA. And I, I don't care about record. I don't care about past accomplishments. Just right now, who has their team you know, prepared to play, who has their team running functional and, and fantastic schemes on both ends of the floor? And who do I think can maximize a team when you're hiring a coach? That's what you want to do. I think that you can see how Mark and Will Hardy maximize teams. And that's what you're looking for as a head coach. And so, you know, you can put Monty Williams, Williams on here. You can put other guys on here. But to me, you know, Mark and Will Hardy are there for me. And Spostra is, is my undisputed number one for me. I, I don't really have an argument for anyone else. You know, you could go pop for the Lifetime Achievement Award, but right now I'd still say it's Spolstra. But, you know, again, the, the, the Rolarian Gifts coaches are also very subjective. At Hogsfan2001, if the if I go to a Thunder game and I see you, can I take a picture with you? Also, can we have Derek Parker back on the podcast again? Uh, DP is always welcomed on Lockdown Thunder anytime he wants to. But, but yes, I do uh, really enjoy and love whenever you guys come up to me during games. And, you know, there's been many times where you guys have stopped me, talked to me, taking a picture with me, whatever. I'll always do that. I'm never going to be too busy. So if you ever just see me walking in Paycom Center, I'm not, I'm not too busy to stop and talk or take a picture, whatever you want to do. Just if, if you're coming to a game and like, for some reason you really want to talk to me, by all means, my DMS are open on Twitter, YouTube comments. You can also use the email address, lothunderpod at gmail.com. Um, let me know, you know, what's going on, what game you're going to go to and uh, we'll make it happen. I really appreciate it. It's really a lot of fun uh, hearing from you guys, both, physically at games, but also in the comments and, and DMs and mentions and everything else uh, on all platforms. So really appreciate that. Colin Reed, rank these young cores based on sustainability. And the young cores are OKC, Houston, Detroit, Orlando, and San Antonio. So for me, OKC is number one with a bullet uh, because they, they have the most talent-rich core right now, along with the in, insane draft capital to do whatever they want with, either just continue to invest that in the draft and, and, and in young players or make a move eventually. So they're number one to me. Number two to me is San Antonio because they have the generational prospect. They have some other nice pieces. I think that they get a little bit overblown whenever people like BR putting them above OKC's young core talent wise right now. But along with having Victor, along with having some nice pieces, they also have really good draft capital and they also have a proven track record of a well-ran organization. So I'll have them number two. Number three, Orlando. I love what the Magic are building. I love what the Magic are doing. Would have made some slight tweaks to how they handled this year's draft specifically, but in general, love what Orlando's doing. I have the number three. Number four, Houston. Don't love their offseason at all, but I do really like Jalen Green. I do really like J uh, uh, Jabari Smith Jr., and I think that those guys can can show better than they have so far to this point. And so, uh, so I have the number four. 
And then number five is Detroit. I will say Detroit has the biggest potential to leap up these rankings. In a vacuum, I love Jaden Ivey and what he can do. Cade Cunningham is getting very much forgotten about for some reason. He's like, he's incredible. Cade Cunningham is, and he showed that at Team USA Select. Uh, but Detroit probably should should find themselves at the end of this year at number three on these rankings, at worst number four. Uh, but you know you, they've got to put it together and all, and actually do it. I love the hire of Monty Williams for that team and the control that he seems to be getting in Detroit. But we'll see. We'll see how that all pans out. At M20 Workman, throughout NBA history, the champions have either had one of the 25 greatest players in the NBA or were the 04 Pistons. Can SGA one day rank in the top 25 of NBA players? So rankings are flawed historically, and 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 no matter what, you know you can bicker back and forth of who's where the cutoff is for the top 25 players and whatever, whatever. I think the question more so is, can SGA for an NBA season and an NBA postseason be the best player in the NBA? And when you see how he scores and how he effectively scores and how it's hard to take him out of games and take him away from scoring and take him away from games, plus with the way that he defends, plus with the depth that OKC projects to have, you can absolutely see that happening. Where Shea is the best player in the NBA for a season in a postseason, and the Thunder go on this miraculous title run. But the bottom line is, winning a title is incredibly hard. And if you're a betting man, it's it's always better to take the 29 other teams than to take one specific team. And, you know, you can have the likes of Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and never win a championship. That's just the sad reality of professional sports. But the Thunder are in a really good position, in a position you'd rather be in than not. It's just like Boston. Like, they've gotten to one championship, and they lost to Golden State. But throughout this whole time... Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have not been able to get over the hump except for the one trip to the finals and a loss. Same way with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook in their whole era. Now Tatum and Brown have more time to continue to try to get over that hump. But nonetheless, it's hard. No matter where you're at, no matter what conference you're in, no matter what, what division you're in, no matter, no matter what market you're in, it's hard to win a title. But I do think that this Thunder team, with the, with the depth, the assets, and what Shea can do, that they can have a chance to win a championship eventually as this core continues to develop and grow. Next question, who are the next five cuts this year and who has the best chance to win MIP on the Thunder from at Clement? So my five cuts are still Victor uh, Oladipo, Jack White, Ty Ty Washington, Usman Garuba, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl, unless that Davis Bertans wants to dance on a buyout. If that's the case, then he moves up my list of who to cut, but I'm not sure that that would make a lot of sense financially for Thomas Bertans. Uh, of the three players that you mentioned, Giddy, J-Dub, or Dort, who has the chance to be the most improved? Josh Giddy. Like Josh Giddy can really take a massive leap this season. At Tickle the Twine, who is your favorite current and all-time NBA players that did not or do not play for OKC? All-time, uh, AI, Jerry Stackhouse, Dirk Nowitzki, and Steve Nash. Currently, Luca, uh, Shaden Sharp, Therese Halliburton, Donovan Mitchell. Some names that I really, really like watching. At Jay, if Poku develops into what OKC thinks he can be, does OKC move Lou to a sixth-man role? No, the organization loves Lou Dort, and like they love, love, love Lou Dort. He is going to be in that starting five. And the thing is with Poku, if he can do what he did in November, that's great. That's great. But but he's got to prove he can do that in a sustained amount of time and just sustain it over the length of a season, put it all together for a season. And so hopefully he can this year. Uh, but uh, I, I think ultimately there's going to be lineups where it's really fun to see him and Chet together as this kind of Twin Towers duo. But starting lineup-wise, I'd be shocked if if 
there's much deviation when healthy from SGA, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, J-Dub, and Chet. That's kind of how I have it right now. Let me know what you think the starting lineup is and what you think of, of all the topics on today's show, including can Josh Giddy and SGA work together on YouTube comment section, Locked in Thunder, on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles, And, of course, you can also hit us up on the email, lothunder.gmail.com, but you can also text the show your answers, 405-963-3686. So everywhere you can get us, you can find us, and you can grab a hold of the show to get your opinions heard. On tomorrow's show, here's your homework assignment. We're going to do one key improvement for every single player on the roster. So let me know what you what you think said players on this roster, as many as you want to as you many as you want to tell me, should improve on as this summer continues to progress and we eventually get to training camp into this next season. It'll be here before you know it. So subscribe to Lockdown Thunder anywhere you get your podcast from, including on YouTube. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.